Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. We're going to look at, uh, look at four verses tonight as we examine this passage. Um, I've been encouraged by a few people over the past week or so. Um, Pastor Bill spoke on one verse of Hebrews, and he had 29 points. And so I was encouraged to try to beat him and see if I could do 30 points. So 30 points out of four verses isn't that bad when you think of 29 points for one verse. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll refrain from that, and so we'll get out of here within an hour at least. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 is what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, it's been a while since we've been in Colossians. Uh, we've taken a while to work through that book, but it's been a while since we've been here on a Sunday evening to go through it. Uh, so I want to take just a couple minutes just to refresh you and remind you where we are uh, in this book and what's going on with it. Uh, this was written by Paul uh, to the church at Colossae. If you remember, this is a church that was doing well. This is a, a young congregation. Uh, it hasn't been around for all that long, uh, but it's filled with, uh, with these believers who were who formerly pagans, but heard the gospel, came to believe the truth of who God is, the truth of who Christ is, and, and submitted to uh, Christ as Lord. And so things have been going well in this church. Paul has been commending them uh, for what they've been doing. But there's a danger that this church is facing. Evidently, there is some kind of false teaching that was creeping in to this church, and Paul is writing this letter to, for them to be on guard against that false teaching. And now we don't know exactly what this was, but we know it had something to do with Christ. Some kind of false teaching, some false view of who Christ is. And so over and over again in this letter, Paul is pointing them to the supremacy of Christ in all things. He's pointing them to help them understand that Christ is better than any of this false teaching that is going on. Christ is better than anything else they can ever experience, better than anything in this world. He is above all, and he is worth all of our heart and our devotion. And so that's what Paul is trying to get across to them. So if we're going to understand what Paul has been writing, if we're going to understand what he's writing in this passage that we're getting ready to read, we really need to hear again some of the things that Paul says. Because his focus here is on who Christ is, and the work of Christ. So I want you just to, to listen. Just listen to these verses and hear how Christ has worked on behalf of every believer. Just hear these verses. Now Colossians uh, chapter 1, 13 through 14, it says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he goes on later to write, You were formerly alienated, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And listen, listen to this next passage. This is amazing truth. And in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now listen to this. Listen to what Christ has done. When you were dead in your transgressions, dead 
in your sin without hope, when you were dead in the transgressions uh, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This is what God has done to the sins of every single believer. Nailed to the cross, we bear it no more. It is not ours. The punishment was paid by Christ forever. That is good news. That is what Christ has done. And it is this work of Christ on the cross that Paul has been showing forth and saying, look, see the supremacy of Christ in all things. And now that he has been pointing to that, now he begins to turn in his focus and say, all right, now here's how you live in light of that. Knowing what Christ has done, knowing the supremacy of Christ, now here, believer, this is what you are to do. Now listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... The way that's written is as if he's saying, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, and I'm confident that you have been, or another way that we can translate this is just as, since you have been raised up with Christ, since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things uh, above. Why? Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and you will be with him in glory. You get the flow of thought that's going there? All right, since you are a believer... Set your mind on things above. Keep seeking the things above. Because you have died in Christ. Your life is hidden with him. You will live with him in glory. Do you see the the progression of thought that's there? You belong to God, so set your things on the things of God. Well, tonight as we look at this passage, I want us to ask three questions of it. Three questions to help us understand what is Paul trying to get across to us. So We have, why should we seek the things above? What are those things above? And then, how can we seek the things above? So we're going to try to answer those three questions from what the text says uh, this evening. So let's start out with the first question, why? Why are we supposed to seek the things above? Well, Paul answers that for us. Listen to verses 3 and 4 again. Just listen to this. It says, for, or because you have died in your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Why should you seek the things above? Because you died. You're dead. Now, obviously, this isn't literally uh, speaking because the people here are alive. You're alive. What was he talking about here? Well, he says, you died. Well, let's look at some other passages that that Paul uses this kind of language. Maybe it'll help us understand. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite passages, uh, verses in the New Testament. It says that, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. 
is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. If you are a believer, it's as if you died with Christ. The old man or the old woman in you was put to death. And so Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ. And in this passage in Colossians, he can say, you are dead. You have died. The old one is gone. Now think about also Romans chapter 6. Uh, this is what Paul writes. He says, or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ, have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. If you're a believer... You've gone through that process of baptism. That was identifying you with the death of Christ and saying as a picture that you have died to sin. That old person, the old man, the old woman in you has died. And verse, as he says there, our old self was crucified with him. So you died. Set your, things on th set your mind on things above because you died. And also because your life is hidden with Christ. Look what he says there. He says, set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with God, uh, with Christ in God. There's a, a passage, I think, that can help us understand this. Remember a passage in John chapter 10 where uh, Jesus is talking about the sheep. You know, the sheep hear his voice. Well, he goes on in that to, to explain something that I think will help us understand this. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So we get this picture here of those who are his sheep, meaning those who are his, belong to him, those who are the redeemed, are held in the hand of Christ. And those who are the redeemed, those who are his sheep, are held in the hand of the Father. It's as if they are hidden, held secure in the hand of God. Now the way this is written in the Greek is in the perfect tense, uh, which means that there are past effects that carry on into the present, with a present and future reality. So what this means is that your life, if you are a believer, is hidden in Christ, in God. That means that God has taken you, saved you, and he has held your salvation secure, and so that salvation will remain secure for eternity. If you are his. If you belong to him. And so we get this picture now that you have been bought by Christ and your salvation is eternally held by Christ, by the Father, so that you are hidden in him. And so set your minds on things above because you died, because your life is hidden with him, and then finally, because you'll be revealed with him in glory. That's what he says in verse 4. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also 
will be revealed with him in glory. It's certain. It's absolutely certain. Paul writes this in Romans 8, 29-30. This is what's known as the golden chains of, of uh, salvation. Because uh, it gives all these links uh, in salvation. Listen to it. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. These whom he predestined, he also called. These whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now here's a, here's a grammar question for you. What tense is that in? You know, we've got the, you know, three basic tenses. It's, we've got past, present, and future. Listen to it. Uh, these whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. These whom he justified, he also glorified. Anybody? It's past tense. You remember the, the, e, the ED ending onto a, a verb? You know, oh, it's past. You know, I call, I called. It happened in the past. Jump, jumped. It was in the past. All right, you got your grammar lesson for today? All right, so it, it's something that's describing past. But wait a second, he's talking about you, he has also glorified you. Well, how can that be? Because it's so certain that if you are in Christ, that it will absolutely happen. You have been called, you have been chosen, you have been uh, justified, you have been uh, saved, you have been glorified because it's absolutely so certain, he can speak of it in the past tense, that it will happen. And this is describing every believer who is here. Every believer. Your life, you have died, your life is hidden in Christ, and the certainty of you being glorified is absolute. So what can we say about this? Why is it that we must set our minds on things above? Because the old you has died, that you have salvation that's secure in Christ, you have an eternal home that is certain. That's what it boils down to. You're citizens of a heavenly kingdom if you're a believer. You know, you live in this world, but this world is not your home. You live here, but you don't belong here. You live here, but your heart and your mind are to be elsewhere because you belong to a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. So why say your heart and mind on the things above? Why seek the things above? Because you don't belong to the things below. You belong somewhere else. Okay, so that's the why. So then we get to the what. What does he mean by the things above? What's he saying when he writes that? What is it exactly are the things above? Well, here I, I would just boil it down to this. The things above are the things that are describing God and his kingdom. God and his kingdom. So we could, we could say all these different things are the things that are above. If you uh, think about God, uh, his character, his attributes, those are things that are above. Uh, the word of God comes from God. It's from him. Those are things that are above. Uh, Christ from God, the things above, Holy Spirit, the work of Christ, uh, God's work in advancing his kingdom in the world and uh, missions and in the gospel going forth, God's purpose in and through the church, God's purpose and work and sanctification. All these things are things that are above. These are the kind of things that are supposed to be 
consuming our minds as believers. He says, set your heart, set your minds on these things. Keep seeking the things above. So what's he talking about? He's talking about all these things related to God. So these are what's supposed to consume our hearts, consume our minds. But then Paul sets up a contrast. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things uh, that are on the earth. So here's the deal. If we know what we're not supposed to set our minds on, then that's going to help us know what we actually are supposed to set our minds on. So what are the things of the world then? What are the things that are of this earth, as he speaks? Well, we could definitely say this refers to material possessions, the material stuff of the world. Don't set your mind on the stuff you have or the stuff you want to have. Don't set your mind on the stuff that's here, these material things of this world. But we could also say things like uh, it refers to the desires of the world. Don't set your mind on advancing in power. Don't set your mind on uh, growing in wealth. Don't set your mind on just advancement in your job. Don't set your mind on earthly honors, the things that, that you can gain from this world. Now, this doesn't mean that you never give a thought to your job. It doesn't mean you never give a thought to your family, your kids, your home, your car. No, it doesn't mean that at all. That would be silly. But I think he's trying to get at the same point that John makes. John, in, in 1 John, gives this, gives this important proclamation of what we're not to do. Listen to what he says. He says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. A believer does not set his mind on all that the world has to offer. Uh, the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the, uh, the desires of the eyes, things that we see, the boastful pride of life. Look what I have in my job. Look how far I've gotten. John says, don't, don't love those things. And when Paul says, don't set your mind on the things of the world, I think what he means there is, is do not love the things of the world. Don't let those things consume you because you belong to a different world, because you belong to a heavenly kingdom rather than an earthly kingdom. So if you belong to a different world, why would you want to set your mind on the things that are of this world? <clears throat> now, I, I lead a couple trips to Peru each year. And uh, <clears throat> when we go down there, it's a, it's a very different world. Now, when I go to Peru and go up into the mountains, I don't see the shacks of the people there and set my mind on those shacks and just be consumed with them, think about how great they are and how much I love those shacks. That would be absolutely insane. I don't set my mind on those shacks. You know why that is? is because I have a home here in the States that's quite a bit nicer. That's actually my home. I have a home with running water. I have a home with electricity that works all day around. I have a garage. I have a fully stocked ref refrigerator and pantry and have all my food there. I have my wife. I have my son. Everything is there. Why in the world 
would I set my mind on one of those shacks in Peru? That's not my home. Well, the same is true with everything that we do in this life. Why in the world would we set our hearts and our minds on things that aren't part of our home? The stuff of this world is not our home. So why would we set our hearts and set our minds and seek after things that are shacks and mud pies in comparison to the great reality of glory and the truth of our God? makes no sense whatsoever. Those are the things that we're to seek after. Those are the things that we set our hearts and our minds on because the stuff of this world does not compare. It's shacks and mud pies uh, in comparison to the things of God. Now, now here's my guess so far. My guess is that I haven't told you anything that you don't already know. My guess is that you know that Christ died on the cross and that your life is hidden with him. My guess is that I'm popping here. And so I think the challenge for us is actually doing it. It's, it's the how. How do we set our minds on the things above? How do we seek after things above when we have so much that's constantly on our minds? So that's the third question, how. How do we do that? Well, in this passage, there are two main commands, two commands that are given. I think that these two commands are key for us understanding this. It says, keep seeking the things above. And then the second command is set your mind on the things above. Now, here's the question. Are these the exact same command, or are they two separate things? If they're two separate things, how do they relate to each other? setting your mind on the things of God and seeking the things of God. Well, here's what I want you to get. Here's what I think is key for us actually seeking the things, of, uh, things above. What your mind is set upon is what you are going to seek. 
What your mind is set upon is what you are going to seek. You want to seek the things that are above? Then your mind must be set on the things above. Your mind and your heart must be consumed with those things. So, conversely, you're only going to you're going to seek what you what is on your mind and you won't seek what isn't on your heart and mind. All right, let's take an example. Let's say let's say that you've had just a killer few months at work. And you're you're just tired. You're tired, you're burnt out, uh, your work has been killing you and you just you feel like you just can't take any more. And it it's just overwhelming you, consuming you. So, that's what's on your mind. So what are you going to seek after? You're going to look for a break. You're going to look for an opportunity to have a vacation, something to, to get away. Because what's, what's on your mind, what's on your heart, is going to lead to what you're seeking after. Listen to what Jesus says in regards to this. He says, Do not seek what you will eat, what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows... Uh, that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If the concerns of this world are, the, are what's consuming our minds, then we're going to be seeking after the concerns of this world. But if the things above is what's consuming our mind, if that's our treasure, the things of God and His kingdom, His work, then that's what we will be seeking after. So I want to I give you two tests tonight. Two tests just for, for you to examine your own mind and your own heart to help you think about well, what is on my mind. What is my mind set on? So, test number one. What do you think about when you have a free moment? When, when there's not a ton of stuff going on, when you don't have distractions, if you ever have a free moment, what is it that, what is it you think about? That may give you a, a clue as to what's on your mind, what your mind and heart you're set, are set on. Test number two. How often do you think of the things above? And, and be honest, as you, as you look at your mind, your life, honestly ask yourself this question. How often do I think upon the things above? It, it may be that you, that you honestly look at, at your, your life and say, gosh, it's not very often. I'm just, I'm just consumed with, with work and kids and everything else and it's not on my mind very often. So honestly, I, I answer that question. Ask yourself that. So here's what it comes down to. How do we set our minds on the things above? That's what we're commanded to do. How do we set our minds on things above and thus from that seek the things above? I want to I list out four things very quickly. And I want to I preface this by saying that this can only occur by the grace of God in our lives. It can only come by the empowerment of the Spirit of God. It's not something that we can just work up in ourselves, and it's something that only can occur in the life of the believer. So I'll preface it with that. So how can we set our minds on the things above? 
All right, four ways. Here's number one. It begins with prayer. It begins with prayer. Do you you recognize, are you you thinking in your mind that that your mind is is too earthly? Your thoughts are are too much on the things of this world, and your your heart and your mind are set too much on the things of this earth. There is nothing that will affect the focus of our minds more than going into the presence of our God in prayer. And, And here's why that is. When we go before the throne of God, we are coming before the king of the universe. We're coming before the God of all things. And that God who we're coming before and stepping into the presence of is the God who is bigger and greater than any of our finances, our jobs, our bills, whatever stress, whatever is going on that's on our minds, on our hearts. And that is the God whose blazing glory is bright enough and great enough to burn out everything else. Because when we go before him in his presence, we see that nothing else compares. Everything pales in comparison to the glory, to the greatness of God. And so if we're struggling with our minds being set on so much stuff of this world, go before him, stand in the presence of God in prayer, bow before him, and see the glory of the God of the universe, and just see how the rest of everything melts away because our attention is set on him. Because then we see how insignificant so much of what's consuming our mind really is. Second, I'll say that this is something that we, that we have to work at. This is something that just, it won't just happen. You know, you and I decide really what's going to be on our minds. Nobody forces us to constantly think about our job. No one forces us to think about what's coming on TV. No one forces us to, to really think a lot about UK basketball. You know, nobody forces us to do those things. We're, we're choosing to let our minds still be focused on something and set on something. And so here, here's the thing. The world we live in is constantly pulling at our minds. It, it's like gravity. You know, gravity is a constant force that is upon us. And we don't really think about it very often until we jump or until we fall. But it's constantly pulling at us. That's the way the world works. The world is constantly pulling at our hearts. It's constantly tugging at our minds to get us to be worldly, earthly, to be focused here and now. And so to break away from that force really takes effort on our parts. It doesn't just happen. It's something that we actually have to to work at. I think it really is. It's a constant battle to set our minds on the things of God. Because we're constantly being pulled in a different direction by this world. Number three, immerse yourself in the word. Immerse yourself in the word of God. If we're going to think on the things of God, be consumed with the things of God, then we have to be reading the word of God. I can pretty much guarantee that if you aren't regularly studying, marinating in the word of God, your mind isn't going to be set on uh, the things of God. So we must, be, we must be reading it, studying it regularly. And I think that also means memorizing God's Word. You know, if you're here as a part of Grace uh, and go to Sunday school, you get a little verse card every week. Well, we give that to you for a reason, so that you'll memorize the verse that's on it. Uh, and not just, you know, to chunk in the trash or forget about or use it as a bookmark, but so that you will actually memorize the Word. And I know that you, it's hard to do it every week. Uh, I, I did not get last week's, I'll confess. Uh, 
but we give that to you so that you will be more and more immersed in the Word and have the Word on your heart. And, and here's the thing. I know, I know, each and every person in this room has the ability to memorize God's Word. Everybody does. You know, I know that by the fact that you don't get lost when you drive home. You have memorized the way to get home. If you can do that, then I can pretty confidently say you have the ability to memorize God's Word. You know, some of the songs that we sing, you can sing without looking at the words. It, everybody in here probably can sing Amazing Grace without looking at the words. You have the ability to do that. So let's use that God-given ability to memorize His Word so that it will be on our minds. This is how we set our minds on the things above, by filling our minds uh, with the things of God. So memorize His Word. Immerse yourself in it. And the last thing I would say is read good books. Read edifying works that will encourage you, that will strengthen you, that will help keep your mind and your heart pointed toward the things of God. We have a bunch out there in the book nook. Pick one up and read it. I know that not everybody in here is a reader. Some people cringe at the idea of picking up a book but it's good for you. It's like eating your vegetables. You don't always want to do that. You want to push the asparagus to the side or whatever. But it's good for you. You need it. So do things like that to help set your mind on the things of God. You and I are constantly being pulled to set our minds on the things of this earth. It's, it's a constant battle for us, whether we realize it or not. But if we, if we want to seek the things of God, if we want to be a people who seek God and his kingdom, we need to be a people who have our minds set on God and his kingdom. So by God's grace, let's do that. Let's set our minds on things above not on things of this world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for providing, providing us with your word. And we thank you that you have given us this command to set our minds on things above and to seek the things above. God, I know that we, we are busy and we have so many distractions, so many things that pull at us. God, by your grace, work in us that our minds will be set on things above, not on things of this earth. May our minds be godly-oriented, not earthly-oriented. May you work this in us as we seek to be obedient for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for